Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely roleplayers, where theatrical people play roleplaying games. I'm Matt Boothman, and I'm your compare for this main house production. Here on Merely Roleplayers, we improvise stories to entertain ourselves, and you, the audience at home. And we use role-playing games to keep the story going places even we can't see coming. Because as theatrical people, we're all about maximising the drama. This episode is part of our current main house production, Vigil Playtime. In this production, we're playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat. For now, though, please take your seats in the main house. Tonight's production is about to begin. Vigil, a Merely Roleplayers main house production. Playtime, Act 5 of 5. I'm Dave and I play Mick the Mundane. Mick is Sheridan's favourite builder, but his life has been getting weirder since he dug too deep and hit a ley line. I'm Vicky and I play Renko the Flake. Renko is a Doom agent on furlough who was assigned to Sheridan and is now convinced something significant is happening in town. Hi there, my name's Alexander Pankhurst and I play Graham the Summoned. Graham's just your average accountant who happens to be a demon and is destined to bring about the apocalypse. You know, just your regular, average stuff. I'm Ellie, and I play Percy Byron, the Exile, a Victorian monster hunter and half-sister to Ada Lovelace. Percy tried to time travel to 1666 to stop the summoning of an apocalyptic demon, but something went wrong, and she's landed here in the present day. So Pip, can you, can you tell me what, what you saw? All, all I know is that one of your teachers has disappeared. Mr. Spencer came in while we were playing a game and then he got ate by a shark. In a conversation with Pippa, we discovered that her classroom teacher, she said, held her hand and it made her feel warm. We should clean up the sharks, but we should also question this Miss Campbell. I take a nice long big drag of my cigarette and then just blow the smoke and then you just hear this. But when you head back to the classroom, what do they see? Graham, now that the blowback from this spell going wrong has cut your glamour. So this is awkward. <laughs> Graham doesn't look like Graham. Graham looks like a roiling mass of tentacles. Ooh, I hate tentacles. Um, and they're kind of oily and black. There is a, a, a sheen to them all. And there's no sort of discernible head 
or legs. Oh God. It's just like this constant writhing knot mass of tentacles kind of weaving in and out of each other. What? At which point the, the, the roiling mass of tentacles turns to you and goes, what? <laughs> Immediate gut reactions? I think that I've, I'm quite close to Mick because he's probably got like blood spatter or something on him. And I've just done that like automatic thing of like wiping it away from his face. And then when I turn and beautiful see- moment. Yeah, yeah, beautiful moment. Yeah, beautiful moment. And when we both turn and see that coming in the door, we both just like grab each other. And then it's like a bit awkward. I reflexively grab my bow and aim an arrow at the writhing tentacle mass. Somewhere in your minds, you know that this is Graham because you've all seen him out of the corner of your eye and like you associate the tentacle look. So it's not like you think this is like a new foe, but also this is a massive shock and you've never mm. seen him like this and it is very scary. Can I um, then, almost immediately as I've drawn it and aimed it at him, Percy then lowers her weapon turns her back and goes oh god sorry um oh uh as if he's just walked in naked because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he essentially has yeah, yeah. so uh, i just go straight into very british oh gosh um ooh, uh here do you want this um and i sort of start throwing bits of like carpet at him <laughs> to like, sort of try let him cover himself uh, up Gra- graham y- your tentacles are showing <laughs> jeez oh ah uh, <clears throat> uh right uh, I'm so sorry, I wasn't expecting you to see me like this. And, um, one moment. I'm going to need some more carpet. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also going to get in the back of your van. I was going to say, get in the back of the van. Get in the back of the van! <laughs> <laughs> got this, like, tentacle thing. Put the overalls on. Yeah, you can't, <laughs> you can't go on the roof this time. No. no, thank you. So I think it's probably gone midnight by the time you manage to clean up the classroom. Um, do we, we want to? I mean, we do want to see this teacher before school starts tomorrow, right? Or are we, we going to go to bed first? So red goes filled us in, presumably. Yeah. We and um, we know we cannot let that teacher go into school and have contact with kids tomorrow. Yeah. Basically. Is there any way that the 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 recently taking up smoking has made me has alerted me to suspicions that something is slightly demonic about this? I think you would definitely make that connection, mm. but also. The fact that he said that she was, she's been hoarse, is weird okay. because like you don't get that from cigarettes being no. a demon. Fire is your yeah. essence. It's not affecting your lungs. Yeah, it no. doesn't do anything. Don't even to have your any lungs. No. <laughs> I think that might be a flag for Percy, who's probably had a lot of experience of possession. Yes. That yeah. a change in voice or in habit. <laughs> is often a sign of someone being possessed. Red man! (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yes, I think that's very logical. So do we stake out her house and then when she leaves to go to school in the morning? Snatch her. Snatch her. Put her in the back of the van with Graham. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that plan makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Because also it's less risky than just going and like bombarding her house right now in the middle of the night. And we're all quite tired. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I uh, think I'm going to do one last thing, which is I'm going to see see if I can go and like hack into um, Mr. Longridge's email account and email the parents of all of the children on the list and tell them not to bring those kids to, sc- to school. I'm just like, just to say school is closed tomorrow. Yeah. All right. I can guarantee his password is chamomile. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes. So uh, you can get into the school building. He has left. Everybody yeah. is gone at this point. It's late at night now. But you can get back into the staff room. So I think roll plus cool yeah. to see if you can get in. Let's try. Seven, eight. All you can make the system do is email all the parents. You can't be selective. Yeah. So you can send this message to yeah. all parents or none. Yeah, I'm going to send it to all the parents. Yeah. I'm going to do so, a blast like, to say yeah. school's closed tomorrow because that's ideal for us. Then we could be at the school waiting for her if we need to be. Mm. Or we could bring her to the school. Yeah. Who do you want it to come from? Like straight from Mr Longridge yeah. or like from the school email or the head? Yeah, I think um, it could just be like a... Admin at. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I will just say like further to Mr Longridge's email of earlier today, we've decided to close the school tomorrow following the incident, etc, etc. Okay. Seems pretty legit, doesn't it? Yeah. Okay, thanks, bye, lol. Yeah. <laughs> It is still raining as the Mixed Bricks van draws up outside a nondescript semi-detached in a suburban area of Sheridan, not too far from the primary school, uh, sort of neighbourhood where a lot of the teachers live. Pulls up opposite the house where Renko got the address for Mrs Campbell. What do you all do? I think, I think Percy's plan of attack would be let's sleep in shifts and, and then maybe catch her like when she'd be getting up and getting ready for work. Just go in her house. There's no point in taking her anywhere. Oh, I see. I was thinking more the uh, grab her and put her in the van and then do it all in the back of the van. Have her spend five minutes alone with Graham. Yeah. See what happens. Could, but then if that gets noisy, we're in a residential street. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, in her house. You could just be driving around. <laughs> you could be driving around, that's yeah. fine. But I mean, if, we get, if we're going into the house, we could just go in now. Yeah. It doesn't make any difference. Unless we think there's a possibility she's innocent. <laughs> yeah. All right, scrap it. Let's just go in. Let's go in. Let's just go in. Let's do yeah, it. I'm use my sledgehammer and jump through the front window. Oh, my God! <laughs> Why do you do this? Because he gets to hold two. Oh, my God. It's the, like, least subtle approach possible. Also, I'm going to really laugh if that sledgehammer just bounces off some safety glass. Oh, this is brilliant. Yeah, it's actually just triple glazing. Yeah. <laughs> Nope. Mick gets out of the van, hairs across the road, sledgehammer in hand, dives through that front window. It gives way. The sound of smashing glass rings out across the quiet street, damped a little bit by the falling rain, uh, but still very, very audible. Mick, you are in a dark living room. Uh, you've landed on a sofa. There is also a coffee table. Uh, you can't see much else. It's dark. Uh, you've just got the, like, the light of the street light coming in through the net curtains. Percy, what do you want to do? Well, I think probably what I, what Percy would do is just jump straight in the now hole in the house after Mick, but shout to you, stay out front and deal with the public. <laughs> and then I jump. Much more elegantly, without a sound, Percy lightly lands on the sofa in the living room. Mick, are you still there? No, I've gone around, I've opened the front door and I'm looking for people. I don't know where anyone is. Well, I'm just going to go straight. I'm going to go in the front door. Because okay. I can see that there's nobody coming out of the houses immediately, so... All right, uh, you get... Is that one XP? Yeah, it is. That means I've completed an experience. <gasps> oh, I get an extra thing. And freeze. <laughs> yes. The scene freezes. <laughs> well, I think about... Welcome, welcome to uh, Merely Role Players Backstage. <laughs> And let's have a quick think about what you want, because this might be something you can use in the upcoming scene. So let's uh, So I can take another move. Mm -hmm. 
I can take a move from another playbook. Yeah. Oh, cool. Ooh. I can just boost my sharp, charm, cool, or weird, which is actually not that helpful to me because tough is where I'm weakest. So I'm probably better off. I think there is a flake move that I'm keen to have for the purpose of improving my combat. Oh, the like backstabbing or... Yeah, sneaky. Mm -hmm. When you attack from ambush or from behind, inflict plus two harm. That's nice. Mm. That's good. Um, Good luck with ever ambushing anyone with Mick around there. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) that is the downside. Um, Uh, Do you want to have a look at the other playbooks or do you want to stick with flake stuff for the moment? I could just do with something maybe that would just like improve my like physical skills a little bit in Hmm. my, my like my toughness. Let me think. Let me um, think if there's anything in the other playbooks. Yeah, I've got one that means you get less harm if you're using old-fashioned weapons. But I mean... <laughs> my weapons are, I mean, my weapons are yeah. probably a little bit 90s, but yeah. they're not that old-fashioned. Yeah. No. The, the thing with taking moves from other playbooks is it they need a bit more justification. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So, like, The Chosen has a move called Devastating. When you inflict harm, you may inflict plus one harm. Yeah. So you just you t- yeah. You do more damage. It's just damage. extra. I feel like maybe I'm just going to take my... Um, sneaky, sneaky one. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think, I'm just going to check. It makes sense because it's like, if, basically, if you can set things up roughly mm. as you did today, where like you mm. have the advantage, they yeah. can't fight back, then yeah. you're in great position. Yeah, I'm going to take that one. Cool. And also, just because I've distracted them no, by being no. loud doesn't mean you can't actually go around the back. Yeah, they might yeah. still not see me coming. It actually pairs so I'm just going to yeah. cross off one of these, take yeah. another flake move. That's how it works. People say. There we yeah. go. So you can't take that improvement again. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a, there is a second there one. There is a second yeah. one. Yes, exactly. That's but I can't, once I've had two, mm-hmm. that's it. Yeah. Yeah, it does work, Lizzie, because yeah. it means your basically mix attack, loud attack from the front, is a, it serves as a distraction. Yeah. 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 And unfreeze. Percy's just landed on in the living room. Yeah. Uh, Mick has been around and opened the front door uh, just as Renko is arriving at the front door. What Ren, does everyone Ren, do? where is everybody? Well, Percy came in behind you and Graham's still in the van, so let's go and see if we can find her. She's probably awake by now. Okay. Do you want to go first or shall I go up? You go up the stairs and, I mean, we're assuming she's upstairs because the house is dark. Okay. I'm going to go up, up the stairs. This would be an appropriate time if anybody wants to read a bad situation. Ooh. Do you want to have a go at doing that, Mick? I could read a bad situation. I can tell you right now, this is a bad situation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read roll it. plus shock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, three. Get that XP! <laughs> Mick goes charging up the stairs. Mm. Just as he disappears uh, around the corner at the top of the stairs onto the landing, Renko, you see a door down the hall open and light. Floods out. Uh, in the hall upstairs or downstairs? Downstairs. downstairs. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm going to kick down doors upstairs really loudly, just so you know what I'm doing up there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least you're going to call attention to that person wanting to go upstairs to find out why the heck there's a load of noise happening up there. Percy's bow out and tiptoeing yeah. around. I'm going to hide. I guess we've got, like, a hallway and a door, and I'm going to hide, like, if there's, like, a bookcase or something like that, I'm going to hide yeah. behind it. Yeah, it's it's... Apart from the light coming through this one door at the end of the hall, the house is dark. Yeah. It's not difficult to find a hiding place. Yeah. Percy, where are you tiptoeing around? Uh, so I'm going from the lounge towards the hallway, and I can then see that there's light spilling out at one end, and I think I can probably also see Renko, like, up against a wall or a bit R- of furniture. Renko and Percy share a silent glance. Yep. So I'm going to essentially take up position where I am in the doorway to the living room, knowing that they probably won't see me if they're going to come out of that doorway and with my arrow trained on 
on that flood, floodlit doorway to see what's going to come out. There is still the sound of Mick kicking down doors upstairs. <laughs> you hear the, the crash of something glass falling to the floor. I really hope she's actually some kind of demon, because this is going to be really awkward. Downstairs, there's nothing. There's no movement. Graham is just still in the back of the van, desperately thinking about trousers. Yeah. <laughs> Focus on the trousers. They, they, they flicker into view, into existence, and then... Uh, and then disappear again. Okay, I'm going to, again, silently communicate with my eyes with Renko to indicate that I'm going to head towards the door. And, I, yeah, head that way, still with my weapon drawn. Uh, do you want to read a bad situation as you head through? Yes, I think that would be smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. roll plus shark. Okay. Uh, that's 11. Nice. Ooh. I believe you hold three Ooh. on uh, read a bad Whoa. situation. So yeah, as as Percy creeps towards this open door, uh, what would you like to know about the situation? Are there any dangers we haven't noticed? It's difficult. They're not. There's no. There isn't really an actual you're, question. You're I want. sort of focused on this door that yeah. has light coming out of it. Yeah. You're, you're pretty sure that that's where any danger is. Okay. You have. There's nothing. There's nothing else in the house that you need to focus on. That door yeah. is the thing. lovies it's me matt your compare just roaming in this last interval of the production to soak up the buzz yep this is the final act of playtime but it's only the beginning of vigil we'll be back in february with another production set in sheridan which will introduce four brand new characters played by strat josh yard natalie winter and chris starkey before that We've got our very first studio production. The studio is where we do one-off experiments with different genres and game systems, and our first one is a very silly superhero story told using Dr. Magnet Hands, a role-playing game by Grant Howitt that is designed to be played drunk. Next week we'll round off playtime with a post-show discussion. Then we're taking the first week of the year off to give ourselves some breathing space, and then we'll welcome you into the studio for the first act of Dr. Magnet Hands on Tuesday the 12th of January. Now, just before I go and call beginners for our final scenes, Sheridan Town Council have made it a condition of our residency that I read you this brief message one final time. Then perhaps it will be over, one council member said to me as they handwrote the same script for the fifth time. Sheridan is twinned with Whispering Pines, the not-so-ordinary summer camp for those hazy days and chilled summer nights. Campers laughing, fireflies glowing, campfires crackling long into the night, and a gaunt, cruel monstrosity forever hiding just out of sight, always asking what you do next. You can find out more about Whispering Pines and meet its eccentric camp counsellors, played by me, Nat, Josh and Strat, in the Sleepaway one-shot, now playing on What Am I Rolling, a twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast. Available on the What Am I Rolling website and wherever you find podcasts. First, however, please take your seats once again in the main house, 
as we raise the curtain on Vigil, Playtime, Act 5 of 5. So what do you do? Keep on creeping towards the door, the open door trap. Yeah. It's definitely a trap. Are you going to go in? Yes. Uh, in, in what <laughs> manner? Are you, are you bashing it down or are you no, nudging no. it open? I'm sneaky nudge nudge. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm actually going to slowly like nudge the door open with my foot while I'm still fully trained, loaded, bow pointed at the door. You find yourself in a study. Okay. Wood floorboards. Mm-hmm bookshelves and at the far end of the room under a big window that looks out on the back garden uh, with the the windows open uh, on the rainy back garden uh, there is a desk on the desk is a lamp with a red shade and sitting behind the desk facing you is a woman with steel grey hair looks very dignified but with like the creases of laugh lines round her eyes and mouth, but her expression right now is very serious. And between two of her fingers, she holds a cigarette. And as you nudge the door open, she exhales a cloud of smoke. Mm-hmm. Well done. You made it here quickly. Thank you. Kindly identify yourself. Oh, um, we'll meet soon enough. I feel like we're meeting right now. Oh, no, no, no. This isn't me. Right. Who are you? I'm offended that you don't recognise me. But perhaps you will when we meet again. It's been fun playing. And it's good to see you out and about doing your work again. She exhales another big cloud of smoke. And you notice that she did not put the cigarette to her lips before exhaling. And in fact, the cigarette is not even lit. Is Renko doing anything out in the corridor? Is Mick doing anything now that he hasn't found anything? After upstairs, you just hear, There's no one here! I've kicked all the doors down! (laughs) All clear! (laughs) Jesus Christ. I think um, Renko has crept along the corridor to outside, so I'm hoping that there's like an angle where I could see partially into the room so I can see the interaction that you're having, that Percy's having with uh, Mrs. Campbell. And that she's clearly not innocent in this situation, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but likely not totally... The human Mrs. Campbell is not in control of what's happening. You did all of this just to get my attention? Yes. I knew you'd be returning around now. I thought I'd throw you a welcoming party to make you feel at home. Take good care of that. And she taps at her collarbone where you have resting at your collarbone an important pendant. Mm, My amulet. And then her expression changes. And she looks confused 
And she <coughs> coughs. I'm sorry. I didn't. I couldn't. <coughs> and a red glow spreads Mm-mm. from her chest. Gouts of smoke are exploding from her mouth as she co- as she chokes. I feel like I need to do some magic on her because she's about to burst into magic fire. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like if there's a way to save Mrs. Campbell, then yeah. you do it. In fact, this would be a great time to spend one of those read a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. Points. Cool, cool, cool. What's the best way to protect the victims? Hey. We have a victim now. <laughs> yeah. uh, magic is indeed it. Some quick thinking magic. Busy, uh, busy, let's get busy. Oh, um, wow. I wonder if this might be a fun time for some sort of flashback, Percy. Because <laughs> Percy's seen this before. Okay. Percy faced a terrible threat back in the 1850s and the heralds of this creature, this demon of of apocalyptic flame, its heralds were normal people infected with a flame in their heart and in their lungs who would breathe out smoke with, with no provocation. And when that power put into them by this demon was through with them when either the demon decided it didn't need them anymore or it had simply been in them longer than their body could stand they would spontaneously combust Mm -hmm. so you recognize this so like what's going through percy's head as she sees this phenomenon that she's seen before in her former life well, for Percy, it's actually not, like, a long time ago. No. Because she's been here in present day for, like, what, two, three weeks yeah. at most? Um, and she was mid-battle, essentially, with that demon when the time jump happened. So um, it's almost automatic because that's the battle she's sort of kind of still engaged in, really. So it's almost more present for her than the last three weeks have been. So it's kind of an automatic throwback to being back in the 1850s and going straight into the way to battle that. So it's like an automatic instinctive response takes over. Um, And you know that the demonic influence is out of her and she is being burned alive from the inside by it. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you can suppress this effect in this moment... She might still have some lung damage, yeah. uh, but she will live. Okay. Yes, so, I want to try and do that. So tell us what Percy does. Like, what movements, what words? Is this more scars on the arms? Yeah, scars on the arms is always the first port call. Um, and it is the most recent addition. So it's actually more like scab. It's not proper scar yet. Ooh. So she goes straight to that particular rune on her arm traces it and starts muttering a phrase over and over again okay roll plus weird eight so it works as intended but you take plus one forward the minus one minus forward. one forward yeah i mean that's your ancient yeah, what's it called magic ancient magic, magic yeah special magic yeah special you magic. don't get glitches so she's holding like holding over that rune, muttering, call the fire, quench the thirst, call the fire and quench the thirst, over and over again. Call the fire and quench the thirst, call the fire and quench the thirst, call the fire and quench the thirst, 
And then the air starts to shimmer as if um, above a car on a hot day. And there's a slight thrumming noise in everyone's ears. And then I think I think this is cool if you have to touch her for it to take. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Love touching people. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to, Percy has to, as the, as the spell takes hold and the air starts to thrum uh, and she feels the magic moving through her, she has to forge forwards towards this intense heat source. Yep. And reach out with that scarred hand mm-hmm. and touch Mrs. Campbell and push that magic into her to displace yeah. the heat that is eating her from inside. Okay. Gripping her shoulder <laughs> real hard. And it's I think it's physically painful. Makes sense. To channel that level of energy. And it's it's cold because yeah. it's combating Ooh. heat. So yeah. you can see like little icicles forming on Percy's eyelashes and her teeth are chattering and she's taking an air in short gasps and yeah all the hair there's crystals of ice on and that's that's your minus one forward and is it like it just it gradually subsides or is it almost like blasted out of her it it's this like thrumming noise gets sort of more intense it's not even like a noise it's like like you know there's like really loud bass coming out of an amp and you can feel it inside you it's that kind of thrumming and everyone can everyone in the near vicinity can feel it and that just gets sort of so intense it feels like it can't go on anymore and then just stops really suddenly and some of that frost has formed on her as well and she slumps back into her chair her teeth also chattering uh, and her eyelids flutter and she seems to be sort of semi-conscious now And scene. Good job, uh, Mix trust the upstairs of the house. Thank <laughs> <laughs> yeah. goodness. He's got himself some work, though, hasn't he, for fixing it all? Yeah, they don't know I did. Is this, is this how you do That's it? That's how I get all the work. <laughs> oh, mate. Absolute racket. Absolute racket. Let's have some little epilogue scenes. Mm. I think we need to introduce Percy to some delicious fast food options. Nice. Yeah, yeah that, and I think uh, we want to make sure that Mrs. Campbell has got a nice hot drink and a blanket. Eh, whatever. What a wetty. We've turned her heating on. I mean, I don't think she needs anything hot right now. No, she just needs warming back up again. Yeah, yeah. She's to give her a frostbite. She'd have hypothermia. So we can assume that you've taken care of Mrs. Campbell. We're not monsters. Well. Not all of us. Three or four of us are not monsters. There are two fast food places on Sheridan High Street. The, the cobbled historic market street. Uh, one is a subway and one is a forlornly attempting to compete local independent store that's been family run and has been for years. So which of these fast food joints do we find uh, Mick, Percy and Renko in as the sun comes up and the rain finally lets up? Oh, nice. Ooh, wow. I reckon we can get a decent breakfast sandwich at the local yeah. place that's yeah. on the subway. They do a more, like, real feeling baguette with nice sausage. Do you know what, a bat with, like, sausage and a fried egg in it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I want one of those. <laughs> in <laughs> real life. Percy wants, Percy wants loads of black pudding. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's more like a greasy spoon than anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we find the three of you uh, around the table at the greasy spoon, topping yourselves up. 
So having overheard that interaction, I think I'm upfront about the fact that I witnessed all of it because you would know that I was yeah. in the corridor. So yeah, I think Renko's question is like, the whatever it was, demon, whatever you want to call it, that was inside Mrs. Campbell clearly knows you, presumably from, it sounded like the past and the future, confusingly. Mm. Um, based on based on what what they said, they seem to know that they're going to meet you again at some point. So, how do you like? Yeah, how do how have you already come across that entity? Or like, where's that? Like, yeah, fill us in. I believe that the demon we just encountered is the very same demon I fled to this time in pursuit of. I was not aiming for this time. I was aiming for 1666, the Great Fire of London, which is the time at which we know this demon was summoned to Earth. And I wanted to destroy it then when it was at its most vulnerable. As you know, I worked for the Order, which is the predecessor to your organisation. Correct. And that was the foe we were fighting when I left, which was three weeks ago for me. And so... It is either the case that the demon knew you were going to end up here by accident, or now by accident, mm. and, and came here to meet you, mm-hmm. or the demon was already set to be here and for some reason whatever went wrong with the time machine maybe wasn't going wrong at all. Maybe it was going right and putting you right where you needed to be, or right when you needed to be. Possibly. Or possibly the time machine did go wrong and it was the demon that somehow made it go wrong. To meet you here, yes. Mm. I think all of those are good options. Well, I think we can assume that we're going to be meeting that demon again. Or at least you certainly are. I mean, they certainly seem to think so, yes. And this whole situation that has killed a man is gameplay to this demon. Yes, clearly. They're not even getting started. The horrors that we witnessed in 1852 were beyond description. This is only going to get worse. Didn't the, the demon mention your, your necklace? Yes, the, the, the amulet was key to the time travel process. Oh. How does it, how does it work? It powers the device, essentially. But obviously the device isn't here. So we said it's suppo- it's supposed to be the thing that like it latches onto to bring you back. Mm. But it ha- but you obviously haven't been brought back. No. Yes, it's a tracking device. Okay. So I I need to have it on me at all times if I have a chance of being brought back the same way I got here. But but it hasn't. But whatever's supposed to happen to prompt that hasn't happened. Well, we now know that Ada, my sister, died the day after I travelled here. And she was the only one who could have... Used it to draw you back to 1852? Yes. Okay. So I don't know what happened in those few hours between me leaving and her death. I come to you with no answers. Yeah, only a lot of questions... Uh, speaking of questions, when I when I was upstairs, I found this uh, this thing. What is that? I don't know. It's uh, some sort of electric thing. I just thought it looked interesting, so I I, I picked it up. What is it made? Pocket. What's it made out of? It doesn't look. It's made of many things. Yeah, it's made of all like modern materials, but a hodgepodge of stuff: plastics, metal stuff. 
looks like all sort of stuff that you might find in like a, a recycling plant, like stuff that people would not throw away, but you know, plastic, metal, circuit boards, foil, glass. There's some glass in there. All does sorts it, of bits and pieces. Does it do anything? Um, uh, it feels a bit like a switch, or I've, I've tried touching it and turning it on and stuff. I can't seem to get it to do anything, but um, I think I'll keep hold of it. Maybe it's got a corresponding thing that it operates. It could be, or it could be a key. If this object was made by the demon, we need to be incredibly careful. I would, we should treat this with suspicion, and I would recommend we perform a series of experiments to determine. Okay, well, well I'll, I'll stick it in the back of the van and we can, we can keep it safe. <laughs> yeah, we should, uh, maybe we should take it to the library or something and we can, uh, there's some places we could store things in the library that are pretty secure from, you know, from what, from what I understand. Absolutely. Great. Um, has anyone seen Graham? I, <laughs> I believe he's trying to get dressed, if you know what I mean. So we're going to pan... <laughs> to the back of the calf and uh, there's a big red biffer bin filled with all sorts of detritus, old burger buns, um, just basically any sort of rubbish that has been produced by the calf. There's a whole old like broken deep fat fryer in there. Yeah, <laughs> still partially full of oil, like they even bother to like, empty it, that's just gone straight in there. And as you get slightly closer to the bin, you realise that something is in the bin. Very slowly, a, a sharply dressed man steps out of the bin and just makes his way into the cab <laughs> as if nothing has happened. Straw boater still on his side and uh, still very much uh, happy, but no longer a mass of tentacles. You're just like licking your fingers as well as you finish yeah. off whatever you... Because <laughs> there's been some really interesting tasty morsels in there. <laughs> some of that grease was just... Oh my God. So good. Oh my god. As Graham comes into the uh, the cafe, sits down, gets out the scroll that has uh, mixed tax returns. S- still circular, uh, circular, um, cyclical, one of those words. <laughs> it's a circle of tax. Um, <laughs> um, sits down and goes, so, these sustenance pouches, uh, it, would this be one such instance of a pouch of sustenance? Yeah, sure, let's write it off. <laughs> Seems fair. <laughs> and scene. Curtain. Hold on, everybody. has been Vigil, a main house production from Merely Roleplayers. It stars Dave as Mick, Vicky as Renko, Ellie Pitkin as Persephone Byron, and Alex Pankhurst as Graham. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alex Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing this episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production, 
in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. I can guarantee his password is chamomile. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> no, I think you'll find is what a wet <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't, he's not self-aware. He doesn't know that, Alex. <laughs> it's probably like sensitive guy 201. Yeah, <laughs> sensitive, sensitive lad 201. Well, he's sensitive lad. <laughs> lad. Because <laughs> of his like, man bun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, such boy. a sensitive lad. He is. <laughs>